What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Eric Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Avakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at avakind.com. Do it. Do it. Okay. What um, else is happening? <laughs> um, before we talk about the things we came here to talk about, I wanted to tell everybody about the notebooks that I've been using for years and years that I've realized we've really never... really long time. For such a long time that we've never really talked about on the podcast. I barely believe it. I know. But I, I, I believe that if we did, it was an incredibly long time Yeah, ago. exactly. Um, maybe episode like seven. Um, mm-hmm. But we sell them on the site now. They're Word notebooks. And they're these little, like, little guys. Very um, tiny. They're like the size of a, a photograph. Um, mm-hmm. Remember when we used to get those things printed yeah, and you like would know what that six. is? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and they're made in America. They are. Um, and they're, I, before I knew, I started using them before I knew what bullet journaling or any of that mm-hmm. stuff was. But they have this, like, pseudo, like, kind of beginners beginners um mm. bullet, like bullet journaling light yeah. i guess i would say they have these like codes that you can use to for marking off yeah for like marking like things as important for prioritizing mm-hmm. things for um yeah which is sort of helpful if you are into dabbling in that sort of thing and like, they have really cute covers cute patterns i don't know there's just a lot to like about them mm-hmm. you should check them out on the website and they're small and light enough that there's you can always have them in your purse or back oh, pocket even or in your like tiniest purse i always carry one of these guys that's the thing I feel like most people I know not most people but you know there's a type of person who's crazy about always having their notebook on them at all times yeah 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 yeah, yeah, totally I when I at a draw on the weekends when I'm like going through what I need in my purse and because I'm you know I'm going like shopping or like out to I don't know out with friends Mm -hmm. I'll be like oh should I take this notebook out I do the same thing and I always carry it I never use it like when I'm no but it just feels crazy not to have it well god forbid you think of something and you like have to write it down in your phone and then you have to transfer it to the notebook later and then you're probably going to forget anyway yeah um try these word (laughs) notebooks they're small they'll give you less anxiety and they're 10% off they're made in a few things yep um I'm really excited about the next topic oh my gosh Um, you know I don't know where else you're getting your snack news. What other <laughs> podcasts are getting your snack this news is from? This is the premier podcast for, for snack niche snack news. <laughs> for women-founded snack content. So Chris <laughs> and I were on a Delta flight last week, and he it, they, we, there was a complimentary beverage service, and he said he didn't want a snack. And so I said I opted. There were three options. There were the 
the well-known Bischoff cookies. Of course. Biscoff, Bischoff, I don't know. I, I couldn't there tell were, you. We can't trust me with that. The classic airplane snack, honey roasted peanuts. and then Which I'm still surprised they were serving on planes in same, 2018. Same. But anyway, another, another like topic How many another people time. are we slowly killing <laughs> yeah. with this? And then there was a party mix and I had seen the outside of it. So I knew that there were like Cheeto and Dorito things in it. And I, so I was like, I want one of those. And then Chris said, I'm good. Just the drink. And I said, well, can you get one of those for me, please? Yes. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, and he said, okay. So he got one of those. Yeah. And then when he, he saw the outside of the party mix, he just ate it himself. I was so annoyed. I was like, well, got- that's frustrating. Yeah. Rude really rude when I started eating it and was like wow this is really good it was a mix of Doritos Cheetos and pretzels but fake not actually Doritos none of those brands you understand (laughs) it is a corn puff with cheese coating a tortilla chip with cheese coating and pretzel yeah yeah and they're all gluten free as the package which I didn't know yet until I was on a plane with you like two days (laughs) later and then I woke up from my nap and the woman came around I would say bolted up from your nap when you saw that that cart was coming around with perfection snacks no but it wasn't I hadn't because I'd been asleep I didn't understand what was going on and the woman was like would you like like a cheese plate or like a fruit plate I I would like a snack I would like a snack I was like you know I want like the party snack like the party snack thing and she basically just ignored me and handed me a cheese plate some other time you'll get that she didn't even correct me she just handed me a cheese plate she had no time for me and I turned to Eric and I was like I want this party mix that I just discovered, you know, on my last flight. Discovered. <laughs> yeah. Discovered. Yeah. Totally. Then, you and everyone else in economy, co- in economy coach. <laughs> then I started flipping through Sky, the Delta magazine, because <laughs> I was like, maybe I can buy it. Lo and behold, <laughs> it was called Party Perfection. And I said, that's right. It was perfection. Yeah. Yes. And you yeah. can, in fact, buy it, we learned. Yeah. Um, in doing a bit more research. Well, then you got, then eventually the snack I, portion of the flight came around the and you got it too. And, and I did some research. Search, i.e. I read all the packaging. Yeah. Um, this product is made in Wisconsin. It was, we did some research on the internet. Um, it was founded by a woman named Amy Hollick. Mm-hmm. Um, she started making pretzel clusters for her kids' parties and classes in 2010 as a stay-at-home mom. And then she started selling them. Um, when she started selling these things, she employed all of her stay-at-home mom friends to produce them. And they were her early employees. And then she made them gluten-free after she developed an autoimmune disease. And then somehow, I and I'd really, I really, we want to, <laughs> you, I want to understand the jump. Here's the gap yeah. that we'd like to fill in. She she books Delta as like yeah. a major client. These are made in Wisconsin. Like everything about this story is great. They're so good. When you eat this free snack on a plane, you are going to feel so good about yourself. My only complaint is I feel like there's like three fake Doritos, three Cheetos, and three pretzels per Delta size That's bag. why you got to fly with Chris and have him not actually eat them because you need to. Pretzel perfection. They're great. Um, this made us think about another mm-hmm. snack that we had done some research on a few weeks <laughs> yeah. ago while standing on a subway platform. Because it's very popular in our office. Oh my gosh, it's so popular. Um, a brand called Late July. Mm-hmm. And I think we were digging because that is a fascinating name. Right. Why, why how did you Late name July? I don't know, but we get three things from them. Um, at our office or like three main late July staples. staples. Yeah. So jalapeno flavored tortilla chips. A excellent hit. on their own. Very good with hummus. Oh, great with hummus. Um, good with and, guacamole too, obviously. Yes, obviously. Yeah. And then we get the pe- the cra- 
peanut butter cracker sandwiches so yeah. it's like you know the mini r- yeah, fake ritz know. crackers yeah. with peanut butter we're talking about a lot of brand names <laughs> yeah, that, that are, not, are actually. not actually associated yeah. um and then the mini cheese sandwich crackers so same idea as a peanut butter but with cheese in, inside <laughs> Every, and those <laughs> everyone who's listening has been a child so they i just want to make it clear because when we there was a lot there's like a lot of slack conversations about snacks. about snacks uh-huh. and when the terms like peanut butter crackers and cheese crackers were flying back and forth on there i didn't know because i hadn't been in the snack closet for a bit yeah sure and i thought we were getting just like cheese it's yeah. you know but yeah. no these are cheese sandwiches yeah they are really good the yeah. cheese ones um i think that they're really better than whoever like th- than whatever the classic yes is. yeah um, yeah yeah but anyway back- real, that we're iterating yeah we're iterating. as a society yeah uh-huh. but back to late july so we we looked into it um we don't know why it's called late july no i would love to know i'm dying to know we, we were- want both of these these people on the podcast oh party profession and late july yeah, yeah. We don't know that, but what we do know, um, her. So it's founded by it was founded by Nicole Bernard Dawes in 2002, and based on their Instagram, I feel like she's like around our age, probably. Yeah, it's like a 15 year old business. This yeah, is, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, so she is no, her family is not new to the snack game. Her father founded Cape Cod Potato Chips, another iconic, iconic. snack brand. Iconic. Also on airplanes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. I think United, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I just know I've seen some mini bags of Cape Cods on yeah, potato. Totally. Yeah, totally. To- Their totally. best ones are the russet potato chips. Not, I don't think like, although they do a great salt and vinegar too. Yeah, I, I, I think mm-hmm. the best ones are always salt and vinegar. Yeah, that's in true. my opinion. Anyway, so Nicole, so Nicole's dad founded Cape Cod Potato Chips. She had an idea for organic saltines, which again, I want to know more about that. Where are you like, and I had an idea. What about organic saltines? Yeah. Um, he, at this point, he had already sold the business. So her father went into business with her on late July they didn't really hit it big until they introduced tortilla chips in 2010. And then this really sad. Right after that, they almost went bankrupt because her dad passed away. Fast forward six years. In 2016, they did $85 million in business. And 10% of their proceeds are donated to sustainability initiatives. I And she works did- on it with her mom, right? Yes, if you didn't feel great about late July before or even know what late July is, and if you were questioning why it was called late July, well, you can feel great now. Yeah, that's, and you do, that doesn't mean that you know the answer to why it's called late July, Absolutely but you still not. can feel good about it. Um, this also made me think about some previous snacking research that yeah. I had done that uh-huh. I, I somehow do not think that I have brought to this podcast audience. I don't know if you have. So I was doing a little bit of digging around Annie's, um, Annie's of the macaroni and cheese and the, the bunny, bunny the cheddar bunnies. And, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I was interested in discovering what the name of the bunny um, mm-hmm. was. You knew he'd have a name. Yeah. His name. Well, he was a real bunny. Um, mm. And she had a pet bunny. Okay. Uh, his name was Bernie. Do you um, feel like it's awkward for you now that Ash hasn't, you know, doesn't launched have a, yeah, launched a, snack launched a product line yet? Yeah, that's true. I, okay. Yet. That, yep. um, so Bernie is the name of the rabbit. But what this led me to is the discovery that the, this woman, Annie, mm-hmm. um, Annie Withy, mm-hmm. um, she not only co-founded Annie's, mm-hmm. she co-founded Smart Food, which I think is really interesting. And here's why: you've got two snack foods which are anchored by cheese, right? Cheese, yes, and, and cheddar specifically. Yes, and originally Annie's was uh, macaroni and cheese. Yes. That's what they started with, right? Yeah. Here's the thing: Smart Food, superior cheese flavor, Fanta- one of the best cheese snacks around. Totally. 
Annie's always falls a little short for me. That's interesting. I, <laughs> I won't. have to be honest. Yeah, I understand. I'll eat it. Do you like the Annie's macaroni and cheese? No. I mean, come on. Who's doing it as well as Kraft? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I haven't had Kraft macaroni and cheese in such a long time. It's hard well, for me to say. Well, that's where you and I differ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I'll eat it. It's yeah, fine. Totally. I, macaroni and cheese is a great product. I will say, like, I will take Annie's box mac and cheese over like a nice mac and cheese at a restaurant any day. I oh, hate yeah. mac and cheese at restaurants. It, it should always come it's out that of a real box. Thick, that real thick sauce. There's no tang. No, there's, there's no, never I, any I, tang. I, it's not. There's not enough like just pure salt in it. That's right. Yeah. Um, so listen, I think it's fine. I just think like smart food is really like that 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 set a bar in terms of oh like a gosh. tangy cheddar flavor from a vending machine. Oh my gosh, that will never go bad. I you know what's also interesting to mm. learn that smart food was founded in 1985 and Annie's in 1989, and I feel like it really took oh, until the yeah. early aughts for both of these brands to find their audience. Well, I I don't you feel like smart food was a major 90s snack food staple. I don't think so. I don't it was for me. I'll tell in you. In high what, school? Oh, yeah. And junior high. Oh, no. I, we didn't have smart food. Oh, my God. I had no. a lot of smart food in junior high because my parents did that thing where they were like, this is healthy, I guess. Like, it's not obvious, it's not, but they yeah, were yeah, conned. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that they let us have that was just like Snickers and health yeah. food wrapping was kudos. Oh, we had some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. had some of those. No, smart food well, and kudos were the things we were able to get in the door. I think maybe you had smart food in the 90s because you were on the East Coast and it was founded in Connecticut. Okay, so this is a best of 10 things episode. Yeah. And because we've been talking about so many snacks, I feel like I have something good to leave this off with. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Um, So I am kind of obsessed <coughs> with the Quartz Obsession newsletter. Mm-hmm. So Quartz is this website. Um, Well, they have various newsletters, mm-hmm. but the one that has been really scratching an itch for me is called Quartz Obsession. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like a very souped up Wikipedia entry mm-hmm. uh, on some narrow topic, yeah. some more narrow than others. Um, so one that I loved was about billboards mm. um, and like the rise of billboards, the history of billboards, why billboards are relevant in 2018. Like, do you when do you read it? Mm. Um, sometimes I read they come in typically in the afternoon in okay. New York so I sometimes read them right when they come in because they okay. come during my like 3 p.m. 4 p.m. Mm-hmm, slump mm-hmm. Um, or I'll miss a couple days and then I'll go back and read wow. like three or four or like I'll see what they're on yeah. at least I thought I signed up for it once you told me about it and now I'm realizing I've never seen it in my inbox it I probably have the to like folders or, or something yeah, yeah. totally okay um, so they're all they're like good interactive features if you're a newsletter person or just like mm-hmm. interested in that space Mm -hmm. Um, you should subscribe just for that reason there are little polls there are gifs there's like a lot happening Mm -hmm. um, a lot of engaging stuff Um, there was another really good one on pandas and whether we should allow pandas to go extinct which was like a really fascinating debate that I knew nothing of I apparently was taking the like yes side of that you should read this newsletter because it made a very strong case basically not to get too deep into it but like pandas have to basically just eat bamboo all day long in order they could eat other things they like are carnivores or uh-huh. like omnivores but they choose to eat bamboo all day long there's like well, not- i could eat all sorts of things too and i choose to eat what i want you're yeah, trying but- to let me go extinct no but they claire you should read this newsletter. <laughs> i'm not making the case for the pandas i'm just saying that like basically in order to achieve their caloric like needs mm-hmm. they have to eat bamboo all day long we have to like refor like repopulate the bamboo in order for this to like <laughs> they can't survive without human intervention which is fascinating all right. I'm not informed on the topic. I'm not going to get involved. Yeah, totally. I It is a topic I knew nothing of. And I was like, did a big like, huh, 
reading it. it I was know fascinating. they're not here for us, but they are ex- extraordinarily cute. That was one of the main cases made for. <laughs> I do think they bring like so much delight to people. Yeah, there's like, a think lot... about how you felt the first time you saw that picture of the panda strapped into an airplane seat. Totally, there's a lot of there was a lot of talk about how much money they make for zoos. Mm. Um, I don't love zoos. Yeah, well, but this is also a polarizing thing. Obviously, um, there's a lot of talk about how dumb they are. <laughs> you know. <laughs> We've got a lot of dumb people whose whose sustenance we support. Um, But anyway, that was a very interesting one. Another one that relates back to what we were talking about before was Cheetos. A a topic very near and dear to me. Okay, so there was a lot of good stuff in this one. Mm -hmm. Just to give you a sense of the tone of these emails, Mm -hmm. one of the sections kicked off. Where did Cheetos come from? Mm -hmm. Sometimes when cornmeal and cheese love each other very much... And that just feels yeah. like very like yeah. on brand. There was a whole round on of the birth of hot Cheetos, which apparently mm-hmm. one man is responsible for hot Cheetos. A single man who was a factory worker who'd been working at this Cheetos factory since he was like 12 or 14 years oh old. Gosh. I'm not joking. Who like basically at the end of one night, there was a batch of Cheetos that didn't mm-hmm. get sprayed. This sounds like a Pixar movie, yeah. right? Yeah. A batch of Cheetos that didn't get sprayed. So he took them home with him to test different flavors wow. like on them. He made a recipe based on like a lote mm-hmm. with those flavors. And that was the birth of hot Cheetos. So the like wow. le- yeah, lemony, yeah, cheesy, yeah. like spicy. Mm. My mouth is actually watering. It's being made into a movie called Flamin' Hot. Ugh. When my brother went to college and we drove him from Delaware to Chicago, we brought a really big bag of Cheetos in the car. And I made the case to my parents that if like they were at a three star restaurant, like Michelin starred restaurant and they were served Cheetos, they would be like, these are excellent. And they were like, yeah, we agree. And I felt really validated that that they agreed with me on that point, and I stand by it. Well, one of our favorite bars in the US mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. uh, Marvel Bar yes. in Minneapolis serves Cheeto. Originally, they just served Cheetos as their only bar snack. Now they have a couple other things, but like Cheetos are put on the table at the top of every drink. All that's to say, subscribe to the, subscribe <laughs> to the Courts of Sessions yeah. newsletter. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Mm. What do I have? Um, mm. w- while we're on the food topic, yeah. And believe it or not, this is not a sponsored segment. <laughs> Um, I'm really into Daily Harvest all of a sudden. I know you and I both, <laughs> which is hilarious because they've actually so graciously bought advertising on the show before, which as well they should have because we we are very very valuable piece of media. <laughs> um, I since like 2008, every morning I get a, you know I come back from my run and I just throw a bunch of fruit in this blender and almonds and yogurt and I drink it and it feels very easy to me. So I was sort of annoyed by the whole daily harvest and like other people prepackaged smoothie, smoothie thing. I was like, you like, why do we need to do this? It's so easy to make a smoothie. Why would you need something like this? And then I tried it and actually it's totally delightful and I completely <laughs> understand it and I love it. And I feel like this is going to be the answer to me getting back on the smoothie train. I also feel like when I have a kid, it's going to be huge. No, I think for that's me. totally true. I don't have a blender. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I recently had the Daily Harvest. They have these like warm warm bowls yeah um, and you just basically dump the contents of this cup yeah. into a bowl and you microwave it for four minutes and it looked they're, really good no, they're really good the one i had i think it was like brussels sprouts and lentils and turmeric and tahini mm-hmm. um it's i like to bring my lunch to work if i don't i feel kind of bad about myself and then <laughs> well mostly because not even because you're spending it, like 15 dollars on something that's not that good yeah yeah and like yeah. it's just a huge pain in the ass and yeah. they're not you know 
we have more restaurants to eat near our office than we ever have before. But, but it still feels like really quickly. 100%. And yeah. I just hate spending yeah. 15, 17, whatever dollars on like mediocre something that's not that good for you or whatever or satisfying. Um, so having these in my freezer, I've been like, oh, I can bring these. And they're not like a full meal size um, but they're like if I supplement it with a piece of fruit or like mm-hmm. a baby bell or like mm-hmm. something else like they are yeah um, I don't know well the smoothies are the perfect portion I will say this about my at-home smoothie routine and this is one of the things that daily harvest really addresses is I was always making the wrong amount I found it impossible to write to make like a single serving so I was either drinking an insane amount of smoothie before I even got to work or I was splitting it into two days which isn't the end of the world but like I don't love like drinking the second a day, day old smoothie smoothies. not great yeah so it's the perfect portion and then you can put it in this cup and you can bring the cup with you on the subway, which is another great thing. So if time is an issue, it's just, it happens so fast. Um, I, I, and they're very little mess. And I, I think, yeah, both you and I have felt very like, we don't need all of these things that are supposed to make your life easier that don't and just create more waste. Um, This didn't feel like it created so much more waste. waste. I don't know. I'm, I'm a total convert. I'm so into it. I really thought that making smoothies was plenty easy, but it turns out it can be plenty easier. (laughs) And again, I know that most people who talk about Daily Harvest on podcasts are getting paid to do it. I just want to make clear that I'm not. not. (laughs) This is 100% free. We have been in the past, but we are not right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, since we're talking about food still, Mm -hmm. and Bethy's Best of 10 Things episode tends to be food heavy in general, um, something that is delightfully easy Molly Ye, um, who we've talked about umpteen times. So delightful and charming. Oh my God. And she has that Food Network show right yeah. now, Girl Meets Farm. And she's just wonderful and charming and just, yeah. I don't know, she's just winning. She's yeah. just a winning personality. Her recipes are also fantastic. Um, and one that I've been obsessed with recently is this whipped yogurt cheesecake with roasted rhubarb. Oh, that sounds um, really good. So when Thomas and I was, I think, I guess it was last year, I guess, um, we went to Seville or Sevilla, mm-hmm. as I think I meant to say. Yeah. Um, and every restaurant we went to was serving some sort of cheesecake in a cup situation hmm. as though this was like the national dessert. It's like, like when you go to Minneapolis and everybody wants to serve you wild rice something. A hundred percent. Um, and listen, Thomas really loves cheesecake, really love mm-hmm. cheesecake. And I like a custard. Th- like I like cheesecake, but yeah. I also really like a custard, yeah. like, like sort of pudding. creme brulee mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is a nice yeah, melding mm-hmm. of our two worlds. Um, and this recipe just really spoke to me. It is like five ingredients. Ooh. It's like half and half and cream cheese and some powdered sugar and you just I mix it up with the immersion blender you could mix it up mm. in a blender you don't cook it there's no cooking that's great you just put it in a cup yeah um I made it with the roasted rhubarb but I've also just topped it with luxardo cherries you can top it with just like peaches so yeah easy. that sounds great um we had our friend Danny over for dinner a couple weeks ago and it was like a last minute thing mm-hmm. and we made that like after work like just with so- the rhubarb not with the rhubarb okay. that was just with luxardo cherries okay. out of like the jar so and is there like a crumble in it or anything no you well you could there's a crust at the okay. bottom like but we didn't make the crust okay um and thomas had been like that day he was like i bought tate's gluten-free cookies Are you okay with that as a crust and i was like absolutely not i do not want <laughs> well i, I don't want tate's chocolate chip cookies on the bottom of this no not chocolate chip but you know tate's makes i forget ginger what, snap would be good well they also make that one i can't remember what they call it but it's just like the tate cookies but without anything yeah in it. it's just the dough the, he bought the chocolate chip yeah that and was, he was a like, mistake I'm glad i asked yeah i'm like i'm glad you did too <laughs> no who wants a chocolate chip cookie crust on a no i'm with you on that um 
But the rhubarb's also very good and felt very versatile mm-hmm. um, to the point where my dad, I don't know why, but was really, like, really engaged with mm-hmm. this particular 10 Things inclusion and texted me if if it was, if it, it was, like, probably four different occasions asking mm-hmm. about, like, giving me updates on where he was in the process of making this, going to the farmer's market to get the rhubarb. Wow. What else could you use the rhubarb on? Huh. I felt like I had to do a lot of brainstorming around, like, There's not a like, ton you can use rhubarb for other than desserts. No, but this, but with this recipe, well, mm-hmm. there's a, there was a rhubarb salad dressing I had just seen. Mm, my mouth just puckered. Really? It's so bitter and sour without so much sugar in it. Well, but that's what you would do. You would roast the rhubarb and then use that. Okay. In a salad dressing. Okay. It's like the roasted rhubarb. Yeah, I know, but dressing. is there a lot of sugar in the salad dressing? So, yeah. Okay. But well, you already would you roast do it, it, and you. Tr- but it's but it doesn't have the sugar in it. Then. The roasted rhubarb oh, has the sugar in it. Oh, you with the sugar. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. I you're see. making the roasted rhubarb with sugar, I see. and then okay. you're yeah okay. using it on other things. All right, that makes sense. Anyway, um, that's that's my pitch for this. That's thing. the show. Yeah, um, that's not really the show because I, ugh, I have a couple of things I want to yeah. tell you about. Um. I really wanted milkshakes the other day. Yeah. So this involved, because Chris didn't want to go out and get me one, it involved a compromise where we decided to order uh, via Caviar, the delivery service, um, Shake Shack. Yeah. So we got fries with cheese sauce on the side and some other things probably with cheese sauce on the side. And it showed up and it didn't have cheese sauce on the side. Um, And I was really cranky i really wanted the cheese sauce so i called to say like hey the cheese sauce didn't show up yeah uh yeah and i called caviar i didn't even call uh yeah shake shack and they were like we're just going to take it off your receipt and i was like like, that's not really solving the but 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 fine fine. like save me 50 cents or whatever it is and three four weeks later we get a hand addressed envelope in the mail to chris roan with a handwritten apology note saying how sorry they were about this, how you know much they hated that it wasn't a perfect experience. And then it had just a bevy of coupons for free Shake Shack so that we would come back and that they could make it up to us. I was stunned. Your fave McDonald's would never. No. I... No. I love this, Danny Meyer so much. I can't so take it much. because do you know what impresses me like more than anything is that when somebody is so not not only so good at something, but then they are able to like consistently maintain that talent across such a wide swath of 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 things. Shack locations of and, like and like you're going from from Gramercy Tavern, high end, super fine dining, all the way down to Shake Shack, and you're like, no, but we're going to maintain this level of quality and customer service at every juncture and like. It's going to be infused in every brand we have, whether it's like the highest of high end brands or the low. Like, yeah. what, who else is doing that? No, I know. I, know. I just it's can't really think of anybody impressive. else who's really maintained that like consistency across different levels of like luxury and you know that's that's and really accessibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is effing nuts. I I think he's the most impressive businessman. Um, what's his book called? It's called Setting the Table. It is so wonderful and it's it's just like on hospitality and like customer service and it's a little bit of a memoir of his too and it's such a good it it's i think you know in theory it's meant to be a business book for the restaurant industry or for the hospitality industry very broadly anybody who has a business i think should read this because his his philosophy about customer service is just so wonderful and really comes from the heart which is why he can do it so well like he just genuinely cares so much and if you go into any of his restaurants you really feel it and he 
yeah, he's just he's just so so good at what he does. You and I have also been talking a lot mm-hmm. about how we're struggling to engage with Instagram content yeah, and just yeah. like struggling to I don't know, like know what the point is or yeah. know what we're supposed to be doing there mm-hmm. or who to follow or just like I don't know. It feels like a bottomless pit yeah. of what? Um something that I am enjoying yeah. that just feels soothing and is mindless for certain yeah. um is lipstick smushing. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is wonderful. There's the, a, there's it's 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 so soothing. I hate pimple popping. Yeah, I hate no, no. all the other things know, that are supposed to be gross. soothing on Instagram. You, yeah, you hate the gross. I'm really into the lipstick smushing. So the premier lipstick smusher mm-hmm. on Instagram is this woman, Emily Doherty, and mm-hmm. her Instagram is just her name, Emily, and then her last name is D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. Um, she was the beauty director of Elle for forever and ever and ever. She's just a very charming person. Um, she's now the editor-in-chief of New Beauty, and she does these, like, she combines lipstick um, colors lipsticks, like yeah. two hues and just like cuts off the lipstick and then smushes them together and with this she little, uses like, it's knife like an thing. art tool yeah, yeah she has in paints. her um, Instagram story if she has a saved story or a highlight that shows you what the tool is mm-hmm. if you feel compelled to do this yeah. yourself because man it is and she does it on like sometimes on slides like yeah those it's like plexi. specimen slides yeah yeah, yeah. um God, watch some. They it's are so just, soothing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Really what you linked to some other lipstick smushing sources um, recently? Yes, it was Bite Beauty. Mm. Um, they show you. They have these like factory mm-hmm. uh, tours where they basically yeah. show you the lipstick coming off the rollers oh. at the factory, and it's just like these waves of that just, sounds you know, great. Oh yeah, it's really. Wow. There's a lot to see in yeah. this lipstick space. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like. It's also just fun because there's a moment, there's a little bit of anticipation of like, what, what are we color gonna is here? this going to yeah, make? Yeah, totally. Totally. That's oh, delightful. Um, do you have anything else I me? do have one more. Um, the other day, Chris wanted me to come to a screening of a documentary um, that his friend made. And I was like, totally. And then we got to the day and I was so sick. I felt terrible. I like threw up in the restaurant bathroom before we like had dinner and then mm. went to the movie. And then we got there and I was just like, all right, I'm here. I'm doing this. I have no idea what this movie is about. Well, first, friends, it was only 17 minutes, which is the perfect the length. Best. <laughs> yeah. The best. Um, even better than the fact that it was only 17 minutes was that it was a freaking amazing documentary about this artist whose name is Mr. Wash. Um, his, his actual name is Fulton Leroy Washington. And he was wrongfully convicted of a crime and then and given a mandatory life sentence. Basically what hit the crime that he was convicted of committing, it, it, you had to get a life sentence. Mm. Um, and it was sort of a complicated thing and not totally relevant what the thing was. But it was also the the way in which he ended up getting convicted was sort of one of those moments of like, wow, our justice system is so effed because it's pretty clear that he didn't do it. But like based on the way that the cases went and the the evidence and all of this stuff, it was like they wanted to put him away. They could was do it, it with a jury. I, anyway, I do not okay, remember. Okay, and it's yeah. not a big part of the documentary. I mean, I will say I'm I'm actually here for a feature length version of this documentary. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. it should be made because there's a lot of unanswered questions. But basically he gets to jail um and he he in jail becomes teaches himself to be a really talented 
artist. He teaches himself to paint. He had seen another inmate painting, so he started painting. And he started painting pictures of himself and tons of pictures of his other inmates. And you can imagine, like, these correctional facilities he's in, they're really tough places. Everybody's, like, you know, sort of against each other in some capacity. You sort of have to, like, align yourself in gangs and stuff. He was able to build all of these connections by painting portraits of these people and really endeared himself to them. And he was painting, I think, like, 75 to 100 paintings a year. He just became obsessed. And he's really talented. And when you look at these paintings, like, he is technically talented. And it's kind of insane to think that he taught himself because there's, like, there's real technical talent with lighting and shading and stuff like that. Um, One of the things that's super interesting about it is that somebody asked him in the Q&A after how did you learn how did like how did you decide to paint or how did you have a sense that you might be good at this this, yeah and it was because during his trial there was a witness who he felt could verify one of his stories and um he didn't know how to get a hold of the witness but he knew more or less where this person lived and his lawyer said well will you just like sketch sketch a picture of this person and then we can go and try to find him um and based on your sketch and he did. And the sketch was so good that they did find this person I mean, based crazy. on his that sketch. And it was like, oh, you might have something here. Wow. So anyway, he just become he becomes this like obsessive painter. His paintings are being hung like in the prisons and in the in like. Which is just really humanizing in general for yeah, that kind of space. Exactly. Yeah. And and in, in courthouses and stuff like this. And um, he eventually creates this painting. And I can't remember the name, but he is basically imagining his emancipation. And so it's a picture of him in a room at the White House and um, he is sitting he's sitting at a table with Barack Obama with various members of the Obama administration including like Eric Holder and Valerie Jarrett and it's this incredible painting Um, and it feels very like referential to classic American historic paintings like George Washington and other like important political moments and his daughter, so Mr. Wash's daughter, wrote a letter to Obama begging for him to be pardoned. And there's some, there's like reason to believe that Obama saw this specific picture that mm. uh, where he imagined his emancipation. And she basically writes about, you know, what art has meant to him and, and the connections it's forged and the optimism that it's given him. He's very, he's like very much believes in God and very much believes that God sort of gave him this way of surviving by like allowing him to focus on his art and communicate through it and he was one of the people that obama pardoned like in his final days um and he is just like the the most incredibly moving character and it really to me so well and and the other the sort of other like lovely thing about this is now he's really dedicated his, his life to prison reform and to like uh reforming the 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 justice system and, and trying to uh to decrease amount of wrongful convictions. Um, but he, he, um, to me, the other thing that was so amazing about it is that it's such a, a compelling, um, demonstration of the power of art and like why yeah. art is yeah, yeah, useful yeah. and the importance of art education. And like application. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, so I, in, during the second Bush administration, I interned at, a organization called Arts Connection that was putting arts programs in schools that didn't have them. And it was during No Child Left Behind and like the the NEA had been largely defunded. And so there was everyone's constantly having to make a case for why Why art is so important. And you know, like, but what about math and what about all these things where we can really say like how it's used? Yeah. We can test it. Yeah, exactly. And so art it's always a little like more challenging to make that case, right? And this documentary to me was like, whoa, you can really see not only what it did for him, but what it did for 
for all his like inmate the, his yeah. friends in, the with him to yeah. It. yeah it's so moving it's 17 minutes so it's, it's so worth watching yeah. oh this is the other thing that's so crazy about it is that it's sponsored by we transfer of all things what? <laughs> i know and i was like i whenever somebody some brand sponsors some piece of art i'm always kind of like yeah whatever it made me feel great about we transfer of course <laughs> like, wow. yeah no we transfer you you know when you like do transfer big files and you use we transfer they always have someone's art in the background yeah. that's like their thing so yeah they sponsored this documentary and i was like yes this yes. worked for me <laughs> two thumbs up this is great feel wonderful about we transfer huh. yeah yeah so you can also buy his art online mr wash but just google mr wash documentary and it'll come up um amazing well yeah. hey that's the show that's the show you can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like stitcher itunes leave us a review and now spotify follow us at i at of a kind on instagram and twitter and like our facebook page if you have ideas or requests for the show email them to a few things at of a kind.com if you want to advertise on the podcast that's advertising of a kind.com our intro music butterfield east is written and performed by the soulful saints today we are recording at dear media studios in sunny la it's not alex's house <laughs>